Um, rolling up some weed right now. Actually, what's funny, uh, Philip rolling up some prescribed uh, from our friend Charles in uh, Chicago, the Chitiva store. Anyways, though, um, Phil, uh, before we have our guest uh, introduce themselves, since you've been on the show, uh, for our listeners, why don't you say hi uh, really quick so they know what your voice sounds like. Hi, I'm Phil. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. <laughs> and we're joined by Scott Weiner from OK Cannabis. Scott, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to our audience. Um, hi, I'm Scott. I'm uh, the owner of OK, one of the owners of OK Cannabis and uh, come from the restaurant world. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And thank you for joining us tonight. I'm really excited. Um, I've been very excited to speak to you. Um, you know, before we get into everything, one of the things that just right off the bat that that I wanted to speak to you about was kind of uh, the unique approach that you have uh, to uh, at least one of your storefronts. I'm, from what I'm aware, there's like a dispensary a bakery and a consumption lounge, like all in the kind of same property. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that in Wheeling or something like that? Yeah. That one's in Wheeling. That's uh, we opened that February 1st of this year. Um, consumption lounge just opened. We have a West Town bakery, uh, full kitchen, you know, serving meals there. Uh, a big dispensary, probably a little too big <laughs> to be honest. And uh, we're also, uh, you know, outdoor patio. We're we're throwing a farmer's market there in about two weeks. So it's it's definitely a unique approach. Uh, maybe a little bit of an ambitious one, but that's the first one that opened. The second one uh, opened uh, about two months ago in the West Town neighborhood of Chicago. And uh, that's next to uh, another West Town bakery as well as uh, Roots Handmade Pizza. And then we have a rooftop restaurant there called Homestead on the Roots. And then the third one, uh, hopefully get open at the end of this year, maybe early next year uh, in Evanston. And that will also have a West Town Bakery and, you know, a, a bar. So it's yeah. definitely a different approach. Well, um, what's the, uh, I'm curious, I've been asking people that run consumption lounges lately about their experience opening a lounge um i'm curious though you know definitely tell me about the lounge but it is interesting like i say that you have all of those different businesses on one property can you describe to my audience how that works because it's not like you're getting weed and then you're getting bread it's all separated right it in wheeling it's, it's under one roof so you know you you buy some weed and we're actually telling you to take your receipt uh through the exit and we've got a free cake ball for you. If okay. you're in Chicago in the West Town neighborhood, if you shop between 8 a.m. and 10, we have what's called the, the can of commuter special. Uh, stop with us on your way, you know, maybe on your way to work and go next door, get a free coffee and a donut. Uh, during the day, it's uh, go next door and free draft beer. Uh, any time of the day, you know, if you spend over a hundred dollars, you're a free pizza. So it's definitely a different, uh, it's a different way to make this part of people's routines. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. 
I'm curious. So some of the consumption lounges I've spoken to, they've gone a different route. They they get the tobacco retail license. They're not actually uh, attached to a dispensary. Um, as much as you can, what's that process like opening a consumption lounge? I mean, is it as easy as just having a, the conversation with uh, your like local, the people that make your ordinances? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually. I mean, it. You know, Illinois has the smoke-free act, which in order to smoke indoors, if you're tobacco, 80% of your sales have to come from tobacco, where it's silent on cannabis. And IDFPR is also kind of silent on it. It's basically saying municipality wants to allow it, then then we're good with it too. Um, So the key is just finding a municipality that is um, okay with it and then talking to them, you know, um, there's definitely, there was a lot of conversations that, that happened in Wheeling. Uh, it's not legal in Chicago. Um, there's ways around it, you know, but uh, yeah, it's it, what I found with the, at least with the state is they want consumption lounges. They, they want, they want more of this product sold. Um, they like the tax revenue, obviously, and um, they want to normalize smoking, you know, just like a bar might be in. Similar to a bar, you've got to do it uh, safely. And IDFPR expects the same with uh, consumption of cannabis. Yeah. Phil, were you about to say something? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I just cool. I just thought it was interesting that he, you said that the state of Illinois wants to sell more weed because I was like I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> well, or they seem they I, can't get out of their way to sell more can't get out of their own <laughs> way to sell more weed. You know, I'm also a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> and uh, you know we got these uh, and and I operate under three social equity licenses. I I'm the smallest owner in them, but. I was brought in because I have experience opening up business. And we, we got these licenses uh, in that first lottery feels like a decade ago. But I think it was like three years ago. And um, of that, I think 30 of those first 187 or 190 licenses, 30 are open. Uh, two of them are ours. And I would agree with you that sometimes the state can't get out of their own way. But I don't know if it's so much the state as it is is just people gaining the system and understanding how to slow things down and we'll never know it's it's yeah and i think that uh the one thing the state's done right as opposed to and i gotta i gotta be clear like i'm not an expert i just you know i've had three years waiting to open a research and to read and you know i i seem to read that the states that have the most or the least restrictive process tend to have the most uh cannabis crashes where, you know, Michigan or, or Colorado where the price just sinks and places go out of business and people lose their savings. And Illinois has the most expensive weed for sure, which I don't think helps us. And a lot of that's because of the taxes, but there's some balance in there that one of these states, I think will get it right one of these days. Um, and maybe by the time that happens, the, the federal government will, will fix it. Who knows? But, but yeah, yeah. Who knows why it took so long, why there aren't more open. It's tricky. Yeah. Well, you, so you mentioned you're from uh, the restaurant. It, you were a rest, like kind of in 
restaurants, correct? Yeah. So um, I I grew up in uh, Northbrook, which is uh, you know North Shore of Chicago, and uh, my my first job in restaurants was uh, at a Johnny Rockets, uh, making smiley faces with ketchup and uh, twirling straws, and I, I fell in love with the business of restaurants at that age and it's all I've really ever done um and you know I went to college for that I, I worked with Let Us Entertain You for a few years and I opened up uh, a place called the 5050 in Wicker Park in 2008 and uh followed by a pizza place a bakery and it's just yeah it, it's my life um um I, I definitely um have gone through hard times in restaurants where you know, 10% of people's income gets spent on food. 5% theoretically is dining out. So we always say we're all, all these restaurants are fighting over the same nickel. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I, I, I definitely have sort of a different perspective on, on cannabis. Um, I do know how to get by with less. Um, it, you know, there, you can't waste a penny in restaurants because that's all we really, if we're lucky to make money, bring to the bottom line. Um, but I've always been just kind of intrigued by, uh, you know, how cannabis, food go together. And prior to getting into this, I, you know, went to some of the quote unquote underground dinners where people were, you know, great chefs were infusing uh, food. And I started to sort of, you know, just, see opportunities and, and and i guess for me i'm i'm less interested in, in in infusing food i'm more interested with um you know serving great meals and you know putting the right strain to smoke next to it instead of maybe a sip of wine and and um you know maybe uh maybe the temperature that you smoke that that flower at how it impacts the taste and the terpenes and how that might go with food so that's sort of what drove me and got me into this industry. And then, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to get some licenses and said, well, I, I guess, you know, now's, now's the time to put my money where my mouth is, I guess. Yeah. Literally, I think that, literally. that, but that's the clear, or I think that is the distinct difference. What you just said there at the end, you said you were fortunate enough to get the licenses and like with your experience with restaurants and since you brought up other state markets, I think that's a, probably a good analogy to use. Would you agree? Like, you know, there's no cap or anything with regard to uh, opening a restaurant, but we have that in Illinois, you know? There really is no cap. You can open up a, a restaurant any pretty much anywhere you want based on zoning. Mm -hmm. In every city, you know, they have warehousing. You, you don't want to put a restaurant there and, or you can't now if you're not to get into my restaurant world, but if you're at one of those cloud kitchens and you're opening up a restaurant in a warehouse, and then you're, you're undercutting restaurants with delivery. Um, there's, there's not a ton of restrictions. Now there are restrictions, however, on where you can open up a restaurant that focuses on selling liquor. Um, there are restrictions as to a tavern place that doesn't, that serves liquor, but no food. But ultimately, there's, you know, the the hospitality, the restaurant industry, I think, is uh, one of the largest employers in the state. So there's there's a lot of competition. Um, I'm used to it. And, and 
you know, it's, it's, uh, it's competitive for sure. Uh, however, um, I'm, I'm finding out just how competitive the cannabis market is the industry is too. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm, that's where I'm trying to approach this subject from. I actually recently saw a quote, uh, uh, an article, uh, that you had in medium and at the very top of the article, there's like kind of in focus, this quote, and it's got this cool picture of you, by the way, that's a dope ass picture. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, yeah, for sure, dude, whoever did that headshot, they need, you need to give them a, throw them a little extra cause that's, that's good stuff. But anyways, yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from asking those questions. I, I saw that you said, I'm nervous about the legacy market. I recently had a friend show me an app and website from a legal cannabis company that delivers pe to people's doors in Chicago. They undercut taxes and they are also buying from Michigan because of how cheap their flour is. Extremely professional operation with regular drivers. I was even more terrified to learn that the company doing this actually is a legal cannabis entity, entity from Michigan that is behind this as they are struggling to survive in Michigan and turning to illegal behavior, which is kind of what you were talking about at the beginning, how in states like Michigan, you see that race to the bottom, you know? Sure. Yeah. I know I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to be able to be friends with everybody in this industry. And, and I'm sure a quote like that pisses off some people because listen, I'm, I'm a new guy to the market and I'm already talking about the, the legacy market and, and you know, who the fuck is this guy, right? <laughs> but um you know i guess i guess you know seeing that you've got something now that is i, I wait you know me and a lot of other people waited you know did it the right way through the states um and you know here you are and, and you're trying to understand like who your competition is and and listen i fully I, I've got three kids. I got a family of five and a dog, right? If I've got my shit together, when it's time to go shopping, I go to Costco because I'm going to get the best price at Costco. And I'm probably going to get quality that's just about as good as what I'm getting at Mariano's and, and Whole Foods or whatever, right? So people from Illinois that drive to Michigan to go and that, that use cannabis regularly and want to see different products and get the best price, like more power to you, you know, and people that have been buying from, you know, a dealer local that's been getting them the cannabis for years, like more power to you, man. That's not, that's not really like, I guess what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, like it's scary when you think about our taxes, our sales tax are a problem. And, and theoretically, like, those taxes had to be that high because that's how you get it taxed through state legislation, you know, like, oh, big taxes. We're going to, you know, we're going to use it to fund this. And, and that's how you get it passed. And over time, those taxes should come down, you know, because now there's a lot of cannabis being sold and a lot more taxes, even a windfall in the state can say, hey, let's bring it down and remain, you know, supply and demand, right? Keep people from driving to Michigan. But, but yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating, you know, paying the paying all the like licensing fees and you know building out places and doing these things to create something, and then you know a place in camp in Michigan because that state decided to just not regulate it, 
you know, selling over the border. And, and when I tell, tell you how professionally it's done, I mean, like they have an app and like people go on the app and what is the app just for research purposes? I'm just, I'm not going to, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to have, it's like okay. I'm, ju- I'm kind of joking. With you. Guns. I was hoping you'd laugh. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just joking with you, man. <laughs> but I mean, no, these guys have an app and like they vet you out and an hour and a half, like some dude shows up at the door. And like, to me, that's just like, that's just a different sort of game that scares me. And, and you know, the state police, like, they're not trying to stop weed coming over the borders. They got bigger shit to do. They're trying to figure out guns, right? But, like, you know, it to me, it's more of a message to the state. Like, hey, lower your sales tax a little bit. Make this more approachable so people don't feel <clears throat> like they want to drive across state borders to get their cannabis all the time. And on the same side, make it harder for people across the other states to want to sell in state Illinois. Because it's like, well... You know, would I want to support a local business or and pay maybe 10% more? Or, yeah, we're talking 30% more than Michigan is a no brainer. So that's what that quote was for me, you know. And like I said, I know there's people that, you know, like I, I would, I hope that people that use cannabis, you know, veterans, people that use it all the time, I hope they're growing their own plants and they should be. And, you know, we've put money towards, foundations to help people get and teach them growing but at the same time for that that market out there that is you know buying every now and then and um you know to see them ordering and most of them don't know it's illegal they just think this is how i buy cannabis you know that's frustrating yeah i I feel like illinois legal market is kind of being like hit from all sides in that regard because they aren't really competitive with the black market you know it's like when legalization started, like in 2020, I was buying weed off of Snapchat. <laughs> like, and I would just drive over to the guy like a couple blocks away on the north side. I mean, and then when I got a medical card, I just started driving to Michigan to buy it because the state has just never been competitive with the black market. And one of the problems was, you know, like you had Kelly Cassidy when this whole thing was being drawn up and she would say, well, our goal is not to be competitive with the black market. Like right. she's like, we aren't going to be competitive with the black market for four or five years. Well, now four years have passed and you're still not competitive with the black market. I, yeah, it's just the state I don't think worries about that, but I, it feels like it's putting, it would put people like you in a squeeze. Oh, and yeah, like, listen, I, I am in a squeeze. It's been hard. Like I'm fortunate with my Westtown location. Um, we're making ends meet, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nights where it's just like, I never expected lines out the door. You know, we didn't, we didn't get one of those monopolies like the big guys did. But um, yeah, you know, when you talk to your people out, I, that was when I was at the dead show, I, I ran into a bunch of people that like live out in Deerfield and Buffalo Grove. And I was just like, they're like, oh, we heard about you guys. We drove past you all the time. I'm like, Hey, when are you going to come in? They're like, well, you know, we go to Michigan. <laughs> I'm like, cool. Um, we we just did an interview today with a TV station in uh, Milwaukee, asking us how many people are coming to Wheeling from out of state. You know, so you know, no, yeah. no matter what, I think it's a it's a matter of time. And I think to your point though, like Bill, like why why should anyone buy from Illinois? 
Well, frankly, when we're when a lot of places are all selling the same shit, I mean, you know, you got to have a, you got to have more than just a dispensary experience, and and that was that was the premise of our concept. It's like, hey, let's normalize this, and we do get this. People come into the bakery with their families, and they'll get breakfast sandwiches and they'll take home pastries, and like one of the parents will go into the dispensary and grab something, you know, <laughs> a lot of a lot of edibles. Um, and you know, the farmer's market we're doing, uh, it's August like 13th in Wheeling. You know, we got local farmers, we got local craftsmen, dual light music. Like, yeah, like that's my answer to, to that point of like, how can I get them to maybe decide to come and stick around? It's, it's have a little bit something different. And as more craft growers start coming into the market, um, I guess I, I also sort of didn't understand even what craft grow meant. I didn't realize it meant that it was just going to be a a local guy producing a product from another state, which is what it seems like a lot of it is. But I remember in, in the beer craze when like Three Floyds would release a new beer or like back before Goose Island got sold. And like, like there was people that would drive two hours to like get a tap release. And I guess that's sort of what I'm hoping to find happens in, in the Illinois cannabis market is like, here's the strain that was grown by these guys here. And like, it, it's limited. We only got 4,000 uh, square feet to grow. And, you know, when that happens, I think it's going to get super exciting out here. And that's what I'm waiting for. But in the meantime, yeah, it's like, I've got to have amenities to get people to come into our places. Because frankly, a lot of us are selling the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh I was displaying just for folks that are listening, um, today Minnesota legalized um cannabis. I wanna make sure I share the same right. screen. So you've got, you know, uh Wisconsin is surrounded by legal states. <clears throat> kind of a funny uh well, I Iowa I don't think is quite right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, true. I didn't even I think, think of about medical, that. but I don't. I don't even think it's like I wouldn't even classify. Yeah, that is yeah. real medical. Yeah, <laughs> it's like edibles that are like five percent. Yeah, that is wishful <laughs> thinking. Good eye, Phil. Good eye. You know what they should have had is Missouri because that's a real one. That that's a you know a, a real. Maybe one. someone didn't quite know their map of the U.S. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> fucked it up. Fucked well, it up I sure. also, I mean, I'll tell you. Another thing, like you go online, you know, like, and there's a lot of this going on in Congress right now, I guess, with the Delta 9 and Delta 8 and all the, you know, the hemp variables. And, and that also is really confusing. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm literally that... smoking on THCA flower right now. Uh, Which is the same thing that licensed operators sell for the most part. Yeah, like I'm getting high as fuck off of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, Cong Congress didn't really understand that either when they passed the farm bill. <laughs> no, and, and you know, and, and it's, it comes up every five years, and this is that year. Um, but I get one of the one of the biggest complaints I get is actually there. There's a place, there's a place in the city that you know called like Waken Bakery or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple of them, you know, and and they're they're selling you like a twenty dollar cupcake with some Delta Eight. Um, and I get people coming to Westtown Bakery all the time being like, dude, why isn't this infused? And, and it's like, well, it's not. This is actually just a, a normal craft bakery. Like, I'm not, you know, we're... Why don't you, though? You could, you could right? 
I'll give you, well, so to the point, right, where the one thing you do know when you buy from a dispensary, mm-hmm. you know you're buying product that, you know, seed to sale, if you will. You know, and I'm not trying to talk like like a politician here, but like, you know, the product's been tested. You know, it's gone through a process to make sure that you get what you're paying for. Um, I mean, a lot of this product, I think Delta 8, like <laughs> when I was a kid, like there was shit called like tie sticks. You know, there's always been that stuff out there that nobody really knows where it comes from. People tell you it it does, but you know, you can look on like I think it's Benzinga, like there's stories every day how like they're testing these things and it ain't really testing the way they said it was or it's coming from here and you know. So I guess that's why I don't is like there's a sanctity of like what we do sell in the dispensary. And to a certain extent, like I also think that it is it is playing with fire to, to in, infuse anything, whether that be with, you know, license, like the infusers, like I see the rigorous processes they go through. And, you know, if you buy something that's licensed in the state that's infused, like you're not going to die. You're not going to get, you're not going to get overdosed. Whereas like, I don't know, like, is it some kid who's making my like cupcake, like what with whatever they're infusing it with? And like, what if they put you, or like, what if, what if that shit came from China and it's got some fentanyl in it? Like, I'm not trying to scare anyone either. I doubt that's happening, but like, that's why I'm not doing it. And when I was talking before, like, I've gone to some legal dinners where some great chefs that I know were cooking some amazing products. And I, I guess these guys were professionals and I trust them to infuse my dinner. Like, I trust that. But, like, I also kind of know that, like, those first few I went to, I was playing with fire. Because, like, what if they slipped up? <laughs> and, and, like, you know, that's that's just how I look at it. So that's why we don't, that's why but, we don't like the, Yeah, the worst thing that's going to happen, though, Scott, let's be real, is you just get a little too high. You're not going to die. Well, you're not going to die. You, let's let's just say let's just say assuming it comes from where they say it comes from correct but But well but you you call you also just talked to someone who talked about needing insurance to serve people cannabis like yeah i don't know i don't know if you're looking to really do this legit like that's a whole nother layer oh i'm making it it in person yeah I i understand what you're saying i understand what you're saying uh, that is a brilliant point, actually, Scott. I think that that basically answers my question. But honestly, thank you, Phil, <laughs> for listening to my own podcast. I'm like, fuck. Uh, Phil, uh, thanks, but for, it, thanks for tagging me on that one. Yeah, alley-oop there. Uh, but more to the point of, uh, you know, some of the – I've definitely heard of bad actors, and you're absolutely right. Um, but, you know, there's people, like I say, this is the local – They've got a little QR code and you can look up the lab test. And I've even talked to uh, legacy operators on my show that are using testing labs, you know, and um, I guess my thing is like, I, you know, if I could just kind of get to the point, I, I think there's something sinister about the like limited license system in that it seems like the, the enforcement mechanism isn't 
like a citation, you know, you know, you're not operating with a license. Like the site, the, the, the penalty is like very much a criminal penalty. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not, listen, I'm just because I got these licenses. Like, like I said, I'm not going after like the guy who's buying from his dealer. And I'm, I'm more or less, I'm more or less in in the last example when we're talking about. No, and I want to be clear. Places. I don't think you are either. I, I think not to cut you off, but I mean, what I feel like you're acknowledging is the reality that produce, which is what cannabis is, is going to be cheap no matter how you cut it. So I feel like the way we're trying to do that is by limiting licenses to artificially inflate the value, you know, yeah. of that product. Well, well I mean, so, so, to close off that last point, though, sure. on like the, the Delta Eight and the infusing, and it to me, it's the the people that represent themselves as being as like selling cannabis or being a dispensary, and, and they're not they're not like that. To me, is a little different. Um, I'm not listen, man. I I'm not gonna like the limited license. Like, yeah, it's hard to get one, and there's a lot of hoops to jump through, and and I jump through them, you know, but. I'm not like hating anybody that um, buys, you know, buys the way they buy. I'm, I'm, I'm more talking about, yeah, maybe some of the people that are uh, taking advantage of of people's goodwill out there, you know, or somebody thinks they're buying from a local dispensary, they're not. Um, and I agree, like in a perfect world, um, there would be the exact perfect amount of licenses, and everybody would make enough money to you know, feed their families, pay some investors back and, you know, everybody would stay in business. But like what I've seen is there's some states that it's just like literate <laughs> and, um, you know, you you see the bat, what, what happens in that. And you can look at Michigan specifically where there's everything from Ponzi schemes following cannabis to people that are, you know, buying from, you know, legacy or illegal markets and, and saying it's not like you see what happens when when people start fighting for their survival of a business because because yeah i don't know what i would do if, if i saw the bank coming and take my house too um that's what happens i think when there's too much supply out there is is it creates situations where people do things that might not be right to survive and then i think where illinois is being the most expensive in the in the country Perhaps that's just a little too uh, stringent as well. And I think there's a place in the middle, um, you know, just like produce. Like, listen, like, you know, produce that we eat comes from all over the world, but it gets checked before it comes in this country. Because the absolute worst thing that can happen with produce and, and you know, we're reading about this, this bacteria or this virus that's attacking hemp and cannabis right now, right? You know, they're they're saying that millions of plants might die out because of this. And and that's what there's there's still restrictions on produce. It might be cheap, but dealing with what I do in restaurants where shit, avocados like triple in price sometimes, you know, or or like bird flu or whatever the hell it is, like it just takes one one bad actor, one person that's not holding up to a certain standard, and then you know, everyone's paying twice as much for their food. And that's, we all went through that in the grocery stores this last year. So there's, there's a place for government, I think, to, to regulate. 
and uh, not just in cannabis, but in everything. And at the same point, like nobody wants them to be too much in your shit. <laughs> I'm, you know, I I speak on the restaurant side specifically to that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it ain't perfect, you know. That's for damn sure. And uh, you know, I I can just hope that the right people are trying to make it better and, and doing it in a way that uh, isn't selfish. Yeah. Is because like I get, you know, like these cannabis businesses that are in Michigan might be struggling and doing like illegal things to survive. Is the idea that like most cannabis businesses would fail a bad thing, though? Because like someone coming mm -hmm. from the restaurant industry, you know, like most restaurants don't make it. They don't even last a handful of years. So I just right. wonder if like because to me, like I don't want to buy weed in Illinois until like half of the cannabis businesses go out of business. <laughs> like I want them to have to struggle. <laughs> you're not my target clientele is what you're telling me. Well, right, right, right. And, and, and to that point, you're actually, you're, I want you in my place, but like, no, like I, I, I would agree. Like you should, if, if you're using enough cannabis where it makes sense to spend $40 in gas, then you should go to Michigan and buy cannabis there or buy it elsewhere or buy. Well, but, but I'm just saying like, is the idea that like, like, should the state be preventing cannabis businesses from going out of business by limiting the opportunity for people to get into business? Because like when we talk about Michigan and them not limiting licenses and it, you know, a ton of these mm -hmm. companies going out of business, like I see that as a good thing because one, probably no one wanted their weed. And Phil, can I play <laughs> a clip? Just not been great operators that you know? I think from another state that has had this. The title of this video, you know, this clip, Phil. Uh, what happens when a state grows too much weed? Um, I want to just play this clip. Clip. I feel like it makes your point uh, from a regulator's standpoint. So, um. <laughs> do you look back at it and think maybe we should have put some caps on production or on the licenses? You know, my job's not to second guess that. I'm just the administrator. But if you're asking me, uh, I don't think so. Everyone just wanted to be the first in to have their stake in it, and they were willing to take the risk to be a part of that market. So I don't think that's necessarily bad. And in a control market, they'd be left out. They'd never get that chance. And the background for that, folks, that was from Oregon, which did another like really open market approach, kind of like we're talking mm -hmm. about. And the price, the prices hit the bottom. Well, I'm just wondering, because just as someone coming from the restaurant industry, do you like, you know, I would think like you're more, like you said earlier, like not wasting dollars, like you'd be more cut out to exist in that environment. I just think like, you know, then in that environment, you'd also be drawing in more people, buying more weed. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, listen, I mean, I think like, you know, our wheeling operation has been really hard, like. Uh, and, and granted, we're we're doing some different things, which, you know, are uh, haven't been necessarily done before. Um, and like one of the reasons we're still we're we're open is because we're scrappy. We're not, you know, we're not wasting. We're not. I don't have a driver. <laughs> you know, like I, I will tell you this: even in this limited license state. Like there's a lot of shitty operators out there that are extremely wasteful. And, and like, no, that's like, that's definitely, I think one of our competitive advantages uh, is that we're, we know how to operate with less. And um, that's why I think we, we hopefully will make it, but 
But I, I do think though that like we're talking in extremes. Like Illinois is one extreme, and um, you know Illinois is going to have 500 dispensaries open at some point, and um, that's what the state law is. And once they get to that point, maybe they decide who knows what kind of world we're going to live in. You know, we're almost halfway there in terms of licenses that have been released, not open, um, or we're more than halfway there. We're you look at Oregon and you look at some of these other states and maybe they did go a little too far because like the ecosystem, you know, it, it, it does affect everyone. Even the great operators, the ones that have great fucking product, right? If, if at the end of the day, like somebody's driving that price down then like, then you can't pay those cultivators and the people making that product a livable wage. Like, so, so I do think, like, yeah, from a regulator standpoint, like, I get it, you know, free market, let it be what it is. But if you can avoid some of that stuff, then, you know, it's it's like, um, you know, in California, you got migrants coming in and picking produce. That's one of the reasons produce is so cheap. You know, what cannabis has, you know, said they're trying to do. And, and, and one of the things that's kind of cool about it is, like, yeah, like, there's, you see the unions getting involved. And, like, there people are making livings working in this industry. So the more you drive that price down, the cheaper you have to pay, like to make, it doesn't matter who you are, you know? So that's, that's how I see it is, is there's, there's a middle ground. And I don't know if Illinois is too soon to say like, I think it's too soon. I, I don't think that it was the state that was holding up these licenses. There was a lot of lawsuits and the conspiracy theorist in me says who was behind those lawsuits. And that's what we'll never know. But I don't see it that it was the state, you know, and I and I think that uh, in a year or so, we'll see how many of the craft grow, the infusers, we'll see how many of these new businesses are open. And I think then we should talk again about this and be like, where do we feel we are now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a weird, a weird approach, you know, the way I always say it. uh is it just doesn't actually feel legal in Illinois. Like, especially when you look at um, the laws and penalties, this is something I referenced earlier, you know, um, there's just no wiggle room. Um, the way that an attorney has said, uh, has described, is, go ahead. What was that? What was that you're showing me? Like that's the penalty for selling illegally or purchasing uh, they're uh, all the penalties. Yeah, my bad. I should have described that while I was showing that. It's so Illinois Normal made a list of laws and penalties for cannabis in Illinois, and basically, um, you know, it spells out possession limits, sales and trafficking limits, cultivation limits, which, as you know, only medical patients can grow. Um, but if even if you exceed, you know, five plants, you're still looking at a felony, even with a medical card. It's crazy how the penalties are spelled out. And like I said, as an attorney described it, it's like a tightrope. And if you, you know, stay on that tightrope, you're good. You stay on that narrow, you know, sure. scope that we've given you, you're good. But if you just make one little slip, all of the old penalties that applied before legalization, as I was saying, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel legal. They all apply in full force. And it, that's just the sinister part, I feel like, of this structure here. Because, you know, uh, J.B. Pritzker even talked about it at Ivy Hall. 
I I can't pull up the quote right now. I tried to do it the other day and and I haven't been able to find it. Um, but it is at Ivy Hall. So if you want to look up the press conference that he had there, you can check it out, folks that are listening. But he talked about how, yeah, if you issue too many licenses that people will get edged out. And I'm just like, so on one hand, it's it, it's making it seem like it's like a bot. You have like two choices. Either businesses fail or or we like businesses fail and we continue the criminalization of cannabis or we we just let it go crazy and everybody dies. That's like the make the way they make it sound. You know what I mean? And it's like, is it really, it. you know? Yeah. So I think we lost your video, man. It's black. Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing that, too. I'm still here. Oh, I didn't know if this, I didn't know if the sun, <laughs> I was like, damn, the sun just there we go. shot down. Uh, we can see it again. So, yeah, you know, like I said before, like I got what I'm proud of and what I'm interested in in this industry is, is how cannabis and hospitality and food and beverage all come together, how, how we can create something special in that environment. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like that quote. <laughs> I was hoping you would take my cars for kids quote. Cause that's some real shit right there. What's that? Um, we can, we can talk about that, but go ahead. Sorry. That was, a, that was, that was the last, that was the last question in that, in that interview that I did. Yeah. No, um, they were the ones that put it big like that. I didn't do that. They put it right at the <laughs> fucking top, dude, Scott, they threw you under the bus. I don't care. I mean, like, I mean, have I, you been getting what, have you been getting like flack for that comment? I mean, I posted it and people were kind of talking shit about you, to be honest. Yeah, um, honestly, like, no, no, I, mean, I, I, I saw like I saw your post and I, I saw that a little bit. And I, I listen, I'd say I've had there's been people giving me flack since I got into this business. You know, I'm very aware that. I'll be honest. I made another dig. I didn't even know who you were. I made a, a tweet. I said, I just saw a dispensary opened. It's called OK Cannabis. They should name all dispensaries in Illinois OK Cannabis since that's all they sell. <laughs> heard that. I've heard that one too. And and I mean, that the name OK, it's more, it was more sort of like a mental health kind of like that's sort of what the brand no, I, is I totally get that. it dude i totally get it i'm just a asshole um, honestly but, it, but but we're but we're easy targets right and, and i'm an easy target too like and i get it like there's people that would really prefer that someone like me wasn't had nothing to do with this industry you know i'm i'll be honest i'm not a daily smoker uh you know i use cannabis once or twice a week and like I said, what interests me about this industry is what hasn't been explored yet, at least legally, which is food, the beverage. How does that come together? How, how do we make it where people maybe like me or even that use cannabis less than me? How do we get those people to look at this industry, be like, man, like today we're just going to the fucking consumption lounge and we're going to go get a bite to eat. Like, how do we make it where it's just part of their life? <clears throat> and and it's not like they're walking into the dispensary looking over their shoulder and be like, I hope none of my neighbors see me. You know, I, I have like there and so I, I guess I'm here. What I'm trying to do is um everyone wants to say they're they're fucking different and like here's what's so great about us. Like I'm not saying that I'm just trying something a little bit different and, and knowing knowing that 
that I'm the kind of user that I don't know that I'll ever use cannabis every day. And I also know that there was a time in my life where I was just like, you know, I, I didn't understand people that used, used cannabis every day. And, and now I do. And maybe, maybe not quite, but like, but I get it, you know, I understand more about the plant than I ever did. And, and what I'm really shooting for is to try to figure out how to get people that live in these suburbs, people out today are like, fuck that. It should be illegal to, to give it a shot. And, and I think with having a non-infused bakery that has great product, you know, James Beard nominated chef and doing some dinners with some, some, you know, some stuff that people haven't seen before. I think that might open up a door for more people to embrace not just the cannabis culture, but you know, the plants and, and that, that's what I'm here for. And, and very aware of that, like, yeah, it, it, it looks like a shtick sometimes. It looks like a gimmick and like, I'm not going to make friends with everybody. I get it. And people are going to, you know, someone wants to make fun of my last name because I don't like people going like, you know, selling, selling over Michigan. Like, yeah, man, go fuck yourself. Like, I, okay, right. we're and not I gonna, think we're not that... going to be friends. That's cool. Right. And I think people that do that are, aren't worth the time engaging. I mean, that's elementary school stuff. And I hope you don't take that as a, like, I fully want you in business and I love your ideas, but like the, like I say, it's like the dual edged sword. Part of the system is that like with these like golden tickets, you know, some people can't. So it would never, I I want to be clear. I I mean, I don't want to speak for you, Phil, but I think we love that you're in business. It's just that we think more people should be in business. I actually really, I actually really like that because at least at one of your spots, you're serving alcohol in the same kind of location. That's cool. Yeah. I, I I like that because honestly, like, you know, when people talk about consumption lounges, I'm like, okay, but like, can I get a drink there? (laughs) It's like, I don't want to just just smoke weed around strangers. Right. So I'm a, I'm a fucking drinker and a lot of my friends, they smoke mm-hmm. and there's not yet been a place where I can have a beer and you can smoke a joint and we can all hang out together other than someone's backyard, you know, and listen, backyards are cool, but sometimes it's nice to do it where somebody cooks you a meal. So mm-hmm. yeah. listen, like that's my, that is my point. That's my concept. And, uh, and yeah, like I, I I, I'm it's always a double edged sword, even in restaurants, dude. We so Iowa, we opened up a pizza place called Roots Handmade Pizza. Uh, Roots was a polarizing, by the way, we're horrible with names. My first place, 50 50, like people are like 50 50 chance those guys are gonna fucking fail. And Roots was like, what the fuck is that? You know, because of the old show. And we're just like, dude, it's my business partner's food roots. He grew up in Iowa in Quad right. Cities, that's his style of pizza. And people to this day are like, nobody wants your shitty pizza man we got deep dish out here in chicago oh we got tavern style you know it's like oh cool man like if you're just gonna hate on a good pizza because it's not your kind then like i get it maybe you might be more comfortable going somewhere else and like so it's all double-edged and and there's always people that want to hate you and do you know i i i will say in the restaurant world like i don't read every fucking yelp review every anymore but I used to, and it, and I do read every single cannabis right now review that comes in on okay, and I've heard all the fucking jokes, <laughs> you know, okay this and that, and it's like, hey, you know, I get it, man, I take it personal too, but like, I gotta 
trying to do something and uh, it's either going to work or it's not. I'm going to put my heart into it, doing the best I can. And in that process, I hope that people will say whether we succeed or fail that I did it with ethics and uh, I did it the right way. I didn't step on anybody. I didn't fucking piss on my employees. You know, nobody, we've had turnover at my places because we were slower than we thought. I couldn't afford to have 50 people standing around. But not one of those people say that we underpaid them. Like we're paying people at the top of the market um, because I want this to be equitable for everybody, you know? And uh, if I can come through cannabis, um, if I can make it survive in this industry and people buy into what we're doing and, you know, I don't come out of this. People, no one's going to, when I come out, if I come out here surviving, no one's going to be like, that dude's like fucking Elon Musk. You know, no one's going to, no one's going to say I'm some sinister asshole. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's all I can do. And that's all I'm trying to do. As far as survival goes, are you able to like, do you partner with anybody? Like you said, you just got the three, but do you partner with anybody here in Illinois? Um, We've had a lot of, we've had a lot of people come behind the scenes and try to make those kinds of offers, but no, um, every single one of these dispensaries is self-funded by social equity ownership. Um, I've loaned the business a lot of money. Um, a lot of my, like our other partners in, like have cleaned out life savings. Um, you know, our majority owner in OK is a public servant, is US veteran. He's been with CPS, like he's his whole, his whole life. He's been public servant. And if we run out of money, like, you know, there's no like magic fairy out there that can just put another hundred thousand. It's like, it's, it's real to everybody there. And um, we've had offers. Listen, we know what we've done is unique and we've had people reach out to us from all over the country. Like, Hey, you know, would you allow us to buy in or partner in one that is also illegal? <laughs> um, at least, you know, today it is from the state's perspective, but no, it's all, real people that live here in Chicago. There's no, there's no like secret deal with revolution going on. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a sense not like supplying us with this or that. Like it's, it's all real people's money. Yeah. I, was I, almost... I thought you guys okay. just might've had ties to like green rose or Verano. No, a uh, single tie. I, 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 um, in one of my restaurants, um, somebody from Arise is in there, and I think a very small investor. He was the first one that tried to reach out and tried to get us to sell our licenses. And I'm also pretty sure he tried to fuck with us too. <laughs> like, there's, there is, we have no ties with anybody. Um, we have no, I don't consider any MSOs like, listen, they're your friends because they want to sell you their product. And, um, then they're also the ones looking at your, your website to see what product they're selling or you're selling of theirs that they're going to discount 40% to make sure that your customers buy that from them. Um, you know, they're the ones that like, they've got, there's flour that people will drive for, you know, every now and then you see it somewhere and, you know, they're making sure that that stuff stays within the family as much as that, as much as they can is all I'll say. So we've got no, we've got no backers behind us like that at all. Um, in, in Wheeling, 
Um, you know, we got some investors in the real estate and they're all people that live in that area. Um, and Westtown, every single one that's entirely self-funded by the people in the, uh, on the cap table, you know, social equity. So well, I'm curious though, why did you think Verano? <laughs> uh, well, it's one of your business partners is like Hannah Jubay. Is that her name? Hannah is one of my partners. Yeah. And she has a PR firm with two people who are part of Green Rose Advisors who run like Green Rose Dispensary. And then in that group, former like Ted of Verano or one guy that was a big up at Verano is like part of them. So, you know, when you're like into the conspiracy theory style stuff. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk about like Hannah and any, you know, she's, she's a good friend of mine, but yeah, we, Hannah, Hannah wrote, wrote her checks to get involved. Um, she's only in on the West town location, just like everyone else did. And like, she's also out there just cause she believes in the brand. Like she's out there and wheeling, like literally going door to door and like trying to introduce people to our brand. Like, um, and yeah, that's the, you're the first one to tell me of that, but I can tell you that those people have no, uh, no affiliation with our business and, um, their product has to sell in order for us to buy it and put it on our shelves. Yeah. Phil's a cannabis. Yeah, no, nerd. totally. Well, and it's like, like, I don't, as much as I look into this stuff, like, I don't, I don't think it's some great conspiracy. I just think, you know, the, the process to get these licenses, like it, it benefited you to like, know how the state works, to know how they do things to, you know, that kind of thing to like really mm -hmm. read through these laws. And so, so you're, you're a hundred percent, you're, 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 you're a hundred percent on that. Um, I'm, I'm also, I'm a vice chairman of the restaurant association. You know, I'm, I'm around, I'm around government. Um, but back to what I was saying, like ethics and like how I run my company, like, you know, look up 50, 50 group. You won't see any class action lawsuits against us. And there's no like secret gambling licenses or shit like that. Like, you know, we've done things by the book. Um, and it does help to, let me put it this way. Nobody did us any favors at the state level. Like there's no secret, like ball that got put in the lottery. You know, we, Hannah, well, if there was, if there was a lottery, <laughs> if there was a lottery. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we, we all, we all wrote checks to, to get into that thing. Um, and we all thought we lost our money when that first lottery came out and it was all the perfect score people that won, you know, um, the guy that sued, uh, the state, I think his name is Jonathan Lovey, right? Justice cannabis. I think, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that he's the one that really gave all these other people the opportunity to have these other lotteries that then we're like, Holy shit, we got picked. And then it's like, ah, oh, shit, here's a lawsuit. Here's another lawsuit. Here's another one. So, but um, I would say though, like if I shared my screen with you and I read the entire Illinois Cannabis Act, um, and I also because I have a restaurant background, I'm very familiar with how liquor licenses work, and um, that was maybe one of my advantages was I saw both, I did my research, and I also saw both worlds and said I think there might be a way to open up a bar next to a dispensary, you know, and. and and I went down that path and um, I'm pretty sure that literally up until the day we opened Wheeling, like, I don't even think it hit the state exactly what we were doing, even though we shared everything and did everything by the book. So I, I think that 
I think that there was like, well, well, shit, this guy read the law and uh, <laughs> might have figured something out that we weren't thinking or we weren't expecting that was going to happen so quick. Because look at like California, they're just now passing legislation to allow them to serve food in a consumption lounge, you know? So, so I think that, you know, maybe, maybe having the business experience helped me and um, being comfortable navigating through government helped me. But any email I've ever written or Hannah can all be FOIA, you know, and it's happened already. People <laughs> have, people have, uh, people FOIA the shit out of Hannah and, uh, you know, it's, it's an open book out there when you're, when you're in that world. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I like uh, the questions though. And I, I, I like that. Like, I appreciate you coming on. Great dude. conversation. Yeah, no. I, mean, so, I, I have, I have another connection that's kind of conspiracist. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. Well, it's my old alderman, Amaya Pawar. So he actually, uh, well, he, he worked at first Midwest group, which is a different one thing I'll get into, but he was a board <laughs> member for the Illinois finance authority where Drew Barris was also a member who's a founding partner of Crokey Fairchild Morgan and Barris, along with Patrick Crokey, who's the husband of state rep Margaret Crokey, who takes cannabis money and shows up at many Cresco openings. <laughs> well, uh, so I met, I met Amaya. Um, I, I opened up our, Amaya when he was the alderman in, uh, up in Lincoln Square, area of Chicago, he, he had a vision to, kind of re redevelop Lincoln Square, bring in a lot of restaurants and, and Roots is known as a family pizza restaurant, you know, and we only had one at the time. So I met Amaya when he was basically begging us to consider opening up a business in his ward, telling us how great the area was going to be. Um, and is honestly, that like, on, is that the one on Irving Park? Uh, on Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have the sixth body spirits is right next door to that. Um, and, and honestly, I think, I think Amaya felt bad that like, like that place opened with a boom and then it was a grind too. Like we, we actually, the first year we ever made money there was 2019 and we'd opened in 2015. I mean, we broke even and, and really just like really hit the pavement. So I think Amaya felt bad for me and that's why he asked if i wanted to be involved in these dispensaries um but i also think he saw that i was a grinder you know and and he saw me out there in the Illinois restaurant association got to know me and i i lean pretty decently to the left which is uh somewhat uncommon in a lot of you know a lot of the restaurant world i would say so we just became friends um and he is probably the most like he wouldn't there's a one-year time period from when when you're uh he only said he was going to do the alderman thing for i think two terms and then get out which he did one year term where you can't email do anything that would make you look like a lobbyist and like you know he was that guy day one saying like, Hey, we're not using connections to do anything here. We're doing it by the book. If everyone, anyone ever comes back on us, we'll be able to prove that. And and we can. Um, now with that said, like, yeah, you're in, he ran for governor. He, uh, 
he, he failed miserably and I hope he's not listening right now. He might be pissed about that. Um, but he also ran for city treasurer. Um, and when you're in government, you meet people in government. Um, that law firm, like, you know, I know people in that law firm too. Um, the guy he worked for first Midwest, um, they were originally planning on doing some projects out here in Chicago, which was why you would bring an advisor in um, to help with some of that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely no way around saying that like he's a, he's been in politics and he knows people, but he's, you ask anyone out there about this guy and like ethically speaking and morally speaking, like he's a good dude. And, and there'll, there'll never be anyone out there that can prove anything or, or really I've never heard anyone say anything about him in the circles being like, yeah, that guy's a phony. Yeah, this or that. He's, he's a good fucking guy. I'm, I'm proud to have him as a good yeah, I, I, I always knew him as a good alderman. Yeah. Um, and he cares about his communities. That, that much I can definitely say about him. Yeah. Bill, you got any other spider web conspiracy theories? <laughs> None, <Cool>. I swear. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, um, thank you again, Scott. Thank you for sitting down with us. I, one of the things I wanted to touch on just for a moment is, you know, kind of in the weird place that we are in, it, it's interesting. You've got this model of having a restaurant. Or I don't want to call it a restaurant, but a bakery, right? Is that more accurate? We do serve. Well, we have the bakery, but you can go there and get sandwiches. Uh, oh, we cool. have brunch on the weekends. Um, I mean, yeah, we're the restaurants. Dope. Uh, in a in a bar on site, and it sounds like I don't know. Did I just spill the secret sauce? If if being a dispensary in, in Illinois is not going to be profitable, maybe somebody starts to consider co-locating their dispensaries with their other locations to keep the property afloat. Is that? I mean, I don't know. Part of the formula. Am I wrong in saying that? Uh, you know, well, it's like at least me... you still have uh, revenue coming in to pay rent, even if the dispensary isn't, you know, for example, hopefully not. But... not it's nice. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're, we're nowhere close to that kind of world, but I mean, it, it's, it, well, I should say if we were not good operators, we could be hemorrhaging out money while we're growing the business. And that's the thing that I can say is like the dispensary is growing, but there's no lines out the door. Like I think those days are are over. Um, we're we've got to just be good, and we've got to sell product at the right price and get product that people want to buy. Um, in the meantime, is it nice to have some other streams of revenue come in? Um, that can help pay the mortgage and you know keep your managers uh working full time absolutely i mean it absolutely is is great and, and i think that um i think that unless i mean there's been six years right where these mso's have had um a head start to build up their loyalty programs 10 years 10 years i'm sorry yeah i thought it was yeah, shit. Well, well they didn't it start wasn't... selling till 2015, but it's, right. it's only been them the whole time, pretty much. It, well, and when Rauner was here, too, from what I heard, it was hard to sell even then. I, I feel like it was when Governor Pritzker came that things really started to, to to pick up, at least from what I've heard. Yeah. And But anyhow, they had 
the time they wrenched. They, they picked out the best locations, right? And they built these loyalty programs. Like they've got people's data, this and that. So like, if you're going to come into this industry, unless you find a true A-plus location, and if you do, I guarantee that landlord knows it's an A-plus location. So you've got to be busy all the time because he's charging you rent or she's charging you rent, right? So I do think that there's something to be said that if you're going to come in here especially if you want to call yourself an experienced, you know, um, like we, we, we call it a cannabis experience, but we don't use the word lightly. I, I feel like you do have to have some kind of amenity that maybe sets you apart to give you a little bit of an advantage to go up against the big guys. Um, and, and to the map we saw before, at some point, Iowa will sell cannabis. And at some point, Wisconsin will too. Maybe it won't be this year. Maybe the, Maybe they'll wait on the state banking act to pass. Who knows? But, you know, like you won't be able to just locate near a border and think you're going to do well. Like you're going to have to, to kind of what the guy in Oregon was saying, like there's going to be a lot more competition as well as from out of the state. And, and some operators will get weeded out, no pun intended. Um, and, and yeah, if you've got something, if you've got a restaurant there that happens to be good, you know, people might come to you versus the other guy. At least I'm hoping that happens. You know, if I'm wrong, like it's going to be a fabulous flop that we've, but you know, so far, so far the business is growing ever so slowly, but it's growing. And hopefully with the consumption lounge, um, that will sort of take us into that, you know, next level where maybe we can breathe a little easier at night. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The consumption lounge is super cool. And if I'm in the area, I'll definitely stop by. It would be, like I say, cool to just visit another one. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, an interesting place. Do you fear at all about that? What you just talked about, like uh, federal legalization, that that's another part of the double-edged sword. I, I talk about with this limited system is that as soon as the door does open, and in our system is no longer, you know, if we we can export cannabis from Oregon, for example, which is hopefully a future that that'll be the case. Not that I won't continue to support Illinois cannabis either, but you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Do you worry about a day like that? Because I, I worry that yeah, we're setting up many operators for failure by not exposing them to the true spirit of competition. You know. Well. So. You know. To coming from the restaurant world, where in that same article I talked about, like that Uber and Grubhub, yeah, we've got middlemen that come in and and you know they outspend you on social media and they 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 buy your your restaurant names word you know AdWords to compete against you and drive people like so you know it's a parasitic behavior I guess. Um, and I'm used to that on the restaurant side. It's definitely a fear of mine that if people were able to start like delivering and shipping from out of state direct to their door, like that would, uh, you know, that would hurt. That would hurt. It would change the model. You'd start, you know, you'd start saying, well, I'm going to open up a cannabis dispensary, um, like, off the beaten path or in a warehouse somewhere and um you know go about things a different way so so there's things that 
concern me. Um, you know, I would love to be able to buy cannabis from out of state <laughs> um, to sell in the dispensaries. I wouldn't love to hear consumers uh, be able to buy direct from out of state. But I mean, yeah. up until recently, I don't even think you were able to buy wine from out of state to ship to your door. You know, so, you know, you couldn't buy like from Napa Valley direct. Like, so there's, I think that there's going to be some safeguards that are normal. Like, you know, they occur in liquor, they occur in pharmaceuticals, they occur in everything. Like, I think in produce, shit, you can't just buy your produce direct from Puerto Rico or buy your crab direct from Russia, you know. And by the way, Russia has fucked up the crab market. Different story. But um, so I, I think there'll be some safeguards to protect some of that stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried about uh, all the things that could happen. But if I'm worried about everything like that, then like I already don't get any sleep. I definitely don't get any fucking sleep. Like right now, all I can deal with is what's in front of me and like how I can make people happy and want to shop at my dispensary again. Yeah. Yeah. We focused a lot on your fears today. I promise we'll wrap it up with with, with something uh, positive. But again, it's just a lot of what we talk about on this show. And I wanted to ask you just because I've asked this question to a lot of social equity licensees. Uh, so first of all, I'll just lay it out like this. And it sounds like you would possibly agree with this statement. Another social equity licensee said that social equity is market share that market share that you described all the other operators have had for fucking 10 years or whatever. We've had social equity licensees come on and say like, that is kind of the idea behind this system. We're limiting it so that we also have like that kind of piece of the market share. And so, I mean, it sounds like, you know, that's kind of like what you're saying you like about the Illinois cannabis industry. And as a business owner, I totally get that. I guess what I wanted to ask was, do you view um like the further further decriminalization of cannabis at odds with market share and i'm specifically thinking of home grow you know and stuff like that um well like i kind of touched on this before right yeah a lot of people grow grow their own products and um and i encourage everybody who, who smokes often and, and shit, even people that don't. I like, I would love someone to teach me. I would definitely, I can't even grow tomatoes, but like, I'm intrigued by the, just the pure art of growing great product. Like, and, and just like I am growing anything. So I don't think that intrudes on a business. Um, there, there are some people that, that use cannabis for a lot of different reasons. And like, I don't feel like my role as a dispensary, you know, purveyor is to like everybody has to buy from from my my box here. Like, <laughs> if you can grow, go ahead and grow. You know, should there be a limit where if you're growing, you're not able to undercut somebody that's invested in a place to grow and sell wholesale? Like, yeah, I think that's right because. Hey, what I was saying before is the more you undercut the market, the more you're undercutting people's wages that work in this market. So um, if that happens and we're working in like, and this industry turns into like the fast food McDonald's sort of world where it's just a minimum wage job working in cannabis, I think everybody will be pretty pissed off and disappointed. So I yeah. think there do need to 
these sun patrols. Um, to that point, like, um, like it could easily happen with federal legalization. I mean, it could totally fucking easily happen. Like, that's the job of capitalism in a lot of respects. Like, you know, people find out, figure out how to make their money, make more money, and, and like, um, I'm not like saying where I believe or not believe. I'm just saying like, ultimately, it's a huge risk of decriminalizing or rescheduling or descheduling and not having it thought out is like similar to like we were talking about with the hemp bill before some people didn't think about it all that much you know and what happened this whole industry shot up and now these same people have to make a decision in the next few weeks like we can't put these guys out on the streets like they grew up in industry because we fucked up so you know no matter what happens um yeah there's risks and there's, there's i just some, i hate there's risks it, for everyone i know i used the example of like a binary choice earlier i just hate that it feels that like yeah the complete decriminalization or the descheduling is at odds with like like people bring up the business side and my thing is like i've had and i'm not even like trying to brag right now i've had tommy chong on the show and i've like asked him like were, you know were you trying to when 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 you wanted legalization you know, did you just want people to not go to jail anymore? Or were you looking to make sure businesses didn't fail? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he didn't really, that's not what it was about. So that's where it's like, that's where we're up coming from on that, you know? Yeah. I mean, this industry's grown up based or not grown up, but this industry's grown around like the sort of piecemeal laws that there are around the country. And uh, right. you sort of have to live with that framework. Um, um, nobody wants big tobacco to come in and put everyone out of business you know like that's the absolute worst thing that could happen maybe that's kind of like my McDonald's quote don't sue me McDonald's um, but okay. like don't but it, they, I, they've written me cease and desist before I, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking from experience <laughs> uh, I don't want an excerpt of the Chillinoy podcast used in a McDonald's <laughs> Uh, actually that'd be good uh, good advertising but mm-hmm. i mean you know then to your point before it's just like you don't want things to be so restrictive that it still feels like it's illegal so it's just hoping um you know podcasts like like this is a great opportunity for you to speak your mind and, and you're getting out there and people are listening to what you have to say and um you know hopefully you'll have a seat at the table when all that stuff starts happening and, and, or maybe it's not necessarily a seat at the table, but you'll have a way to get your voice heard and and people do listen. Like I I will say people listen, you know, um, and, and yeah, we'll see what happens with it. Sorry. I don't think it's going to go everywhere. You're making me paranoid when you say people are listening. I'm like, fuck shit. (laughs) Well, he's on his second uh, joint. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I your voice matters. Um, during the pandemic, like, I tweeted out some shit that got back to the governor. I heard <laughs> he wasn't very happy with it. He's like, wait, isn't that that fucking restaurant <laughs> asshole? So, I mean, people people listen, and uh, you know, you know, make your make your statement out there about what you're looking for, and and eventually there will be changes in these laws and. All this stuff will, you know, it's going to mean something that you said it. Yeah. 
Phil, any uh, any other thoughts that uh, you had come up uh, through this that you wanted to touch on? No, or I just, you, I just uh, like GPT, uh... My, uh... <laughs> no, nothing like that. I just uh, I just like your approach to what you're doing. I think it kind of shows you don't take the like you didn't come into it just assuming this dispensary was going to be like bankrolling some luxurious lifestyle. You know, like you actually have to kind of provide some alternate experience that's right. a step up to like get people to want to spend money there. Yeah. 10 years to see what the competition was doing and say, how can we do something a little bit different, you know? And uh, it's still an unproven business model at this point. You know, we're, we're, I feel like it's moving in the right, right direction. And uh, like, if we, if it turns out to be like one of those successes and, and uh, you know, it won't be without the amount of scars and battle wounds and sleepless nights. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Well, Hey, I just want to say that you brought up uh, two other subjects that are totally unrelated to cannabis that I, I am super passionate about pizza and crabs. Um, <laughs> just had you to say, their... uh, listen, well... ever since we went to war with, uh, not we, but the Russians like 2014, <laughs> right. Have you noticed the price of crab has just skyrocketed? Yeah. This this has relationship to cannabis. What you didn't know is for all those years, the Russians were flooding our king crab market with illegal crab. They were overfishing and they were not following any sort of like legislation that, you know, we're trying to do in Alaska to make our king crab sustainable. So you've been we've all been benefiting from the the uh, legacy Russian crab market for years, <laughs> getting our cheap crab, right? And now all of a sudden that's not happening and the price of crab is literally fucking doubled. So like in a restaurant, not really serving king crab anymore. It used to be like king crab was the value and lobster was, uh, sure. lobster was the, the, you know, the rich man's dish, right? So... <laughs> I yeah, mean, see, I, I, uh, find a man, my friend. I thought you were, t- yeah, we got to find a source for that king crab. I thought you were talking about the snow crab. Um, and I was like, those, those bastards, those ruskies, they, they, because I read no, the story no, about, too. yeah, but I didn't know. It sounds like this isn't related at all. This is, no, it, it is. The snow crab, you're talking about the same, yeah, oh, the entire market. We used to, I used to work at Joe Stone Crab. When I was with Let Us Entertain You, um, the one in Chicago, Russian Grand, and we used to use snow crab. It was like so cheap. It was like five bucks a pound. We used to use that as the base for our crab base. That's how cheap it was. Today, like snow crab costs what we used to pay for Alaska right. king crab. Like you're talking 25, 30 bucks a pound. Yeah. It's wild. So. Yeah. Yes, they ruined. They even ruined the snow crab market. For it's you. sad that I know market price for snow crab and lobster, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> very familiar. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, I read that they uh, that they just jumped off the shelf and like disappeared, but it sounds like those fucking Russians had something to do. Anyways, I'm just trying to be funny. No, yeah, no, they're 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 they. You can't. They're not smuggling into the states anymore. That's what happened. That's why the price went up. Yeah, well, and so my other joke here, it's like there's truth in all jokes. I fucking love pizza. Fuck those people that were talking shit about your pizza joint. I am a firm believer that there's room for all types of pizzas. Ruth's is good Anything pizza. Had fresh. It. Thank you. Oh, you've had always, his pizza? Yeah, it's like uh, cut into long strips. 
nice. like the style, right? So that's the quad sink style. For me, when you add more than two or three toppings, I, I recommend getting in the splices. Um, it's the mozzarella sticks that at Roots that I think have like the cult following. Um, but I always like say like our pizza is we make our own dough. It's fresh. It's really good quality cheese. All our ingredients are fresh. If you can't appreciate that, it's not fucking deep dish or tavern Like, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? Yeah. <laughs> There's room for all so kinds of stuff. Come on, Detroit style. Right. right. Milwaukee loves a like a really thin, like Neapolitan pizza. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Woodfire, New Haven. Like, give me pizza. Yeah. Yes. Give, give me pizza. All types. <laughs> all types. Cole agrees. Oh. Hell yeah. No, and I'll try. Not, I've never heard of Roots. I'll have to try it if uh, I'm back up in Chicago. I'm guessing there's there's some in Chicago, the Chicago area. There's there's four of them. Okay, and, cool. uh, One of these days, maybe we'll venture out to the suburbs. And you said We're the mozzarella sticks? So we make our own mozzarella. or We, we literally buy mozzarella curd. Um, and we got a dude who just all day hand stretches mozzarella. And then we make mozzarella sticks from it. Like it's, it's definitely, uh, probably what we're most known for. Now I want mozzarella sticks. They're, they're good. They're worth the drive for too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Scott, I won't keep you up any longer. I know you're a father, a a father of a new child. So congratulations. You mentioned that. And, uh, I know you need all the sleep you can get probably. So we'll, (laughs) we'll give you some time back in your night. I wanted to thank you again for coming onto the show. Looking forward to maybe having you back on in the future and maybe even doing something at the consumption lounge or something. So time, guys. Uh, it was my pleasure. And I appreciate you giving me the time and you know, just talking to me and not attacking me too much on my quote on the legacy market. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, the goal yeah, the goal, I mean, the goal is never to attack for me. I, I honestly just wanted to give you I posted it and asked people what they thought. People started talking shit. So I wanted to give you the platform to kind of give a little bit of new because i feel like uh articles and stuff they lack the nuance so a podcast like this we can take the time to talk about where you're coming from and you know what i mean yeah well, i appreciate you guys and hopefully anyone listening you know gives us a shot sees what we're doing and uh you know we're we're we just we just want to be here and we're happy to be here well, thank yeah. you so much yeah absolutely well uh stay in touch. And as I always say to all my guests, if you're ever doing something super cool, I know you mentioned you got the farmer's market coming up on the 12th, but if you ever got something else, feel free to reach out and come on the show. We always like to help people up with the cannabis community. So thank you. um, I guess before I go, I wanted to give Phil anything else pop up. I wanted to give you the space. Cool. All right. Well, Scott, Phil, I really enjoyed my time with both of you today and folks, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care.